Hello, friends. Thanks for being here. Solid Ground Church is a community of people simply trying to follow the way of Jesus. And it's our goal to share the love and grace of Jesus with everyone we meet. And that's our hope for you today. So don't forget to say hello in the comments below and join us as we worship and then hear a powerful word from Pastor Mike. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of taking our youth up to winter camp. There were 13 of us that went up to Mile High Pines to join four other churches. We had a blast. We played games and we got a chance to do the zip line. Boy, that first step is a rush. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you was what I saw God do. I mean, we really have amazing students, but they were so hungry to learn and to grow. And so on Saturday night's session, when the speaker gave the students a chance to respond to God's call in their lives, they really responded. Nine of our 13 stood up and took the chance to dedicate or rededicate their lives to the Lord. Over 40 people at camp stood. It's the most I've ever seen in all the years that I've gone up to winter camp. God is up to something special. And I wanted to say thank you so much for your prayers for our weekend. And please continue to pray for the work that God has started and that they would be able to walk that out in the coming weeks. I share this story because without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. Your prayers and financial support are helping to save lives. People are being changed. You are making a difference in our youth and in our community. Thank you for your prayers and financial support and keep up the good work. God's kingdom is growing because of you. Now, won't you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for what God wants to say to each one of us this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for the things that you are doing, the things that are maybe behind the, thing, the scenes or the things that are just stirring in each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would do something special here this morning as we worship and hear a word from your heart. God, do something fresh and new in each one of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. Because you found me, you freed me, held back the waters for my release.
And I'm so glad that we get a chance to wrap up, at least for this stage of our journey together, to wrap up our series on politics. And this is something that used to scare the living daylights out of me as a pastor, because obviously there are those of you watching this who have good scriptural reasons for believing the way you do about politics or voting the way you do about politics. And there are others of you who have good scriptural reasons for voting the opposite way. And it gets really messy when we start talking about this. And I've been very clear from the beginning. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote on any certain hot button issue. But over the years, my thinking has changed when it comes to this. And it has been such a weight off of my shoulders because I don't have to tell you about any of that stuff. I don't have to come up with any brilliant ideas about all this stuff. My job as a pastor is to stick to the life and teachings of Jesus and what scripture teaches us about how to live our life. So today, this isn't the final word, but this is the last road stop on our journey of specifically talking about this and we need to go to Romans chapter 8 to launch into our discussion, our, our reflections from there. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Now I'm going to read a few verses here so stick with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That will preach. Somebody put it in the comments. A good amen. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So for the past few weeks, I've been saying, you know, these, these messages, they're all related. You can go back on YouTube and listen to the next, but this is also a standalone. So if you're just jumping in, no problem to catch you up. Our focus and our goal for the past few weeks has been to reflect on how our allegiance as Jesus followers would stand out most noticeably in our lives. Our focus has been to reflect on what if, what if aliens came down and were observing our life? What would they say our most deep allegiance is? Is it to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Or is it to something else, anything else? And our, our focus has been if Jesus is Lord of all, then every other good thing needs to take its rightful place behind Jesus. So, if you've been following along, maybe you're thinking, okay, today's the day when Mike's going to tell me who to vote for, right? Well, I already said that. No. And again, I've tried so hard to, main, to not mention candidate names because Jesus is the one I'm endorsing. Please hear me when I say that. I'm endorsing Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, as a kingdom independent. That's who I am endorsing. And I've tried hard not to mention or, or, or talk about specific issues uh, because we're doing that in smaller groups. We're going through this uh, in, in our life groups and in other discussion groups over the coming weeks and months, along with the National Association of Evangelicals, we're talking about some of these issues, not from a political perspective, but from a biblical perspective. When something comes up that is, that is close to the heart of God that, that the scriptures talk about, I believe with all my heart that it's best for us to talk about those things face to face. So from this pulpit, I'm not going to tell you what to do. First of all, my denomination, my spiritual authority won't allow it. Second of all, uh, it's, it's illegal. And third of all, I mentioned before, I want us to rally around Jesus. And then fourth, I don't have a political science degree. I'm not a political expert. And if we were to mention and, and go in depth in, into some of these, these hot button issues, I think I, I might cause more confusion. Like, I think all of us would agree it would be a really good thing if every person who had a job made a living wage. But economic experts disagree on the best way to go about that. Political experts disagree on how to go about that. Christians who love Jesus have differing ideas of the best way to accomplish that. As a Jesus follower, I think it is a worthy goal and my life goal is to see that abortion rate go to zero. And I've read and, and come across over the past 20 years, people on both sides of the aisle say, we want the abortion rate to be zero. And as you know, people disagree on how to get there. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you the exact number that is the right number of people to accept into this country from other countries. I'm not an expert in that. I can tell you that if you're a Jesus follower and the scriptures are the authority in your life, I can tell you that once someone is in this country and once you, you are with another human being, it's our duty to show that person godly love and respect and human dignity. That's one of the major themes of, of scripture is how we welcome the stranger, the welcome the other. And also, why aren't we going deep into one or two or, or getting really in depth on specific issues? 
political engagement is not the main mission of the church, and it's not my main mission either. That stuff is important, but it takes its proper place behind Jesus's agenda, which is making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey the scriptures. And I will not sacrifice that call just to be relevant. I will not sacrifice the commitment to God's mission so we can offer hot takes on whatever the issue of the day is. Our mission is much more critical than that. And no amount of clicks or views or ratings uh, is worth compromising on what Jesus said we should be about. And when it comes to politics, that is a good, the, the proper place for the specifics is brothers and sisters getting together face to face, prayerfully, humbly, and curiously having a conversation of how does the scriptures, how do the scriptures uh, teach us we should, we should, have, we should go about uh, living out these issues. So for today's talk, I'm going to organize this a little bit differently. So if you're following along on version or you're taking notes, uh, writing or however you take notes, a, a note on your phone, two questions and one comment that you're likely to hear between now and election day in November. And also I get, you've probably heard these in past elections too, but as Jesus followers, now, if you're just checking this out, I, I don't want to, if you haven't committed your life to Jesus, I encourage you to, to sit back and watch. Uh, you're not, you, you haven't placed yourself on the hook for this yet. If you are a Jesus follower, so this is, this is, uh, this is for us uh, that, that we, we need to live up to some of these uh, scriptural guidelines. So question number one that I hear a lot, and I even, I even sense it as well. How do I decide how to vote? I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I can tell you a very simple, just to get it out of the way, talk about the elephant in the room. How do you decide how to vote? Let your faith guide your action in the voting booth. All the way back to week one of this, it used to be that our faith as in, in North America and other countries that, that had a vote 50 years ago, 75 years ago, it, our faith was our main identity, and that dictated people's political convictions. And over the past few decades, we've seen a massive shift, and it's not just church people who've seen it, secular sociologists have seen it too, that now, for most people, politics determines someone's identity, and that informs their faith. So for Jesus followers, let your faith guide your actions in the voting booth. Do not let political ads guide your actions in the voting booth. I, it's not funny, but it all, because I know all of us would say, oh, no, 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 those don't influence me. But I gotta say, something is always shaping your thinking and something is always shaping you as a person. So let's, let's be vigilant and notice these things. Let your faith guide your action in the voting booth. Do not let who's up or down in the polls guide your action in the voting booth. Let your faith guide your action. Do not let Fox or CNN or your news place of choice, don't let those commentators dictate your vote. Let Jesus' working and the guidance of the Holy Spirit dictate because those, those things, those, those media outlets, it doesn't reward, they're not rewarded for how well they educate the public. They're rewarded based on ratings, views, and clicks, and how well they can sell ads on TV time. I remember in 2016, one of the executives, they said, what's going on right now? He said, this may not be good for the America, but it's really good for our network. So what am I saying? Am I saying turn all that stuff off? No, no, we need to be informed and, and have your, your news outlet of choice. I totally get that. But Jesus follower, be discerning with what you're hearing and be discerning with the ideas that you let into your, into your mind 
and be discerning with the story you tell yourself, especially the story you tell yourself about people that you disagree with. Let your faith guide your actions in the voting booth. And just soak, I, I beg you, can I do that? I beg you, soak yourself in the scriptures between now and, and November and, and, and meditate on what matters to God. And I'm, I'm hopefully, a lot of you are thinking, I do all that stuff already, Mike. I, I got that. Well, just a second. Hold your donkeys. Hold your horses. Hold your elephants. Hold all the parties. and all. Can you honestly say that you've examined every part of every platform through a Jesus-centered lens? Can you honestly say that you've looked already like, okay, I've approached this objectively and trying to hold everything that I'm hearing about issues and candidates, I've looked at that through a, a scriptural lens. What does Jesus think about those things? It's hard. Because if we're really honest, most of us, most of us, we, we get it in reverse. And we, we vote based on our own interest or our own preference. I'm not judging you. I'm saying, let's stay, hold, hold. Hold the donkeys and hold the elephants here for just a second. And let's take a deep breath and prayerfully ask Jesus, which way do you go? So before stepping into the voting booth, make sure that you haven't remade Jesus into your image. And when we're in there, let's be humble. When we're interacting with our brothers and sisters, let's be humble. Jesus followers, when we're acting and interacting with people who haven't said yes to Jesus yet, be humble. Let's spend time learning and praying about these issues that God cares so much about. And as much as we possibly can, let's set our assumptions aside. As much as we possibly can, let's set our arrogance aside. So, and, and some of you, some of you have decided that you're not even going to vote. That is, that is, there are people who've looked at scripture and looked at a lot of these concepts that we've been talking about and they say, you know what? You know, my convictions are taking me another way. So if you vote, let your faith speak on election day and not in a, I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't do that kind of teaching around here. Either way, right or left, progressive, conservative. It's not, no, no. We're kingdom independence. We are voting for King Jesus ultimately, and we long for that day when Jesus truly is, and in, in, in not just already, not just like in this future sense, when Jesus is reigning on earth. So let your faith speak and dictate your actions on election day. And the second thing you're going to hear, and I hear some version of this every four years, and it's with, with almost this reverential, breathy, this is the most important election of our lifetime. People will say, everything hangs on this election. I remember reading from a Christian that I generally, and still has, this Christian has a lot of really good things to say, but I read a statement about the 2016 election. The genuine liberty and self-government for which millions have died is gone. Not for four years or for eight years, but forever if a certain candidate is elected. I remember thinking, has this person seen the future? <laughs> like, wow, that's a heavy statement. And then I thought, wait a minute, gone forever? If, if this person doesn't know the future, does this person know history? Because even in, in, the, in the really small historical lifespan of the nation I grew up in, we've had bad presidents before. In human history, there have been very bad leaders, whether they were emperors, kings, presidents. There have been a lot of bad presidents. And last I checked, we're all still here. 
Did they make poor decisions? Yes, they did. Did they do monstrous things? Yes, they did. But humanity has survived. God's church has survived. And no matter what comes at us, God always preserves a remnant. And so no matter who's in charge, we will survive. As a church, God God can take anything, whatever the enemy means for evil, and God can turn it around. So as we approach this election cycle, no matter which office it is, from, from the top all the way down to local government, question for you. Have you put your faith in Jesus or are you putting it in whoever's in office? And that's a question you can use. When you hear someone say, this is the most important election of all times, you could say, have you put your faith in Jesus? Because now I'm gonna be playful with this word election, but it's actually really true. There is an election that's way more important than any other election. The Apostle Peter wrote it this way in his Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I tell you, no, this isn't the most important election this year. The election into Christ's kingdom is the most election is the most important election for you. That's the most important election that that is going on. This this kind of election that Peter's talking about is has been relevant even before there was a democracy. This kind of election is more important than anything else, and it's even relevant in countries that don't have elections. We were reading in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that was written in a time where there was a, an evil Roman empire. That Paul was using phrases like, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So the most important election for every person in human history is God saying, I want you, follow me. Let me adopt you into my family. That's the most important election for every person. And it's way bigger than the one that happens every four years. It's way bigger than who's in office for four years or eight years. This election spans into the decades, into the centuries, millennia, and into eternity. So, that's a more important question than who's in charge at any given time in any given nation. How will you choose to respond to that invitation? How will you choose to respond to Jesus's invitation? Come, follow me. That's the most important one, the most important election. So now you may be thinking, oh my goodness, Mike, that sounds so spiritual, elections. I like in the spiritual, I, I get what you did there. But elections have consequences, Mike. I get it. And, and that may lead you to the next question that we're going to talk about. And I've, I've heard this. I felt this, especially in my 20s. I used to have anxiety about this. And, and it, it's this question. What if my side loses? I totally get that. What if my side, you've picked a side. It's red or blue. It's, it's right or left, it's progressive or conservative or, or somewhere off the chart, <laughs> and you've picked your side. And oh my goodness, I, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing, but I don't like losing anything. I don't, even, I don't even let my kids win at games. They've got to earn it. Well, take a deep breath. I need to take a deep breath too. What if our side loses? Well, I remember from a few weeks ago, us saying, that if Jesus Christ is Lord, that means Caesar is not. That had tremendous implications for the first followers of Jesus, and it has tremendous implications for you. Wherever in the world you are and you're watching this, if Jesus is Lord, that's the side you want to be on. 
when it comes to human affairs, we're not on anyone's side. So watch your thinking, because that kind of thinking is rampant all over the world. We've got to pick a side. And we, we're falsely lured into this thinking where we have to pick the winner, because there's gonna be a winner and a loser. And that kind of thinking leads us to, to the, I'm picking my friends and picking against my enemies. I'm picking, I wanna be, there's those that are with us and those that are against us. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, we don't wanna get dragged into that, that kind of thinking. And he even writes in Romans chapter five. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we are also to boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So if we're following Jesus, that has implications. When we weren't on Jesus' side, he still picked us. He still came and rescued us and pulled us on to his side. Let's make sure that we are picking Jesus' side and we're following Jesus, who, by the way, in the natural view of things, of things, Jesus lost. And that's why he won in the reality view of things, in the kingdom of God way of things. He invited his enemies to become friends and they killed him. And that's how he defeated the powers of death, hell, and the grave. So when we get tricked into thinking that we have to win and that our side and our projects have to win in order for everything to be right, or hopefully we don't think this, in order for God to accomplish all that needs to be done, that's a... That's a like a dashboard light that we need to make sure, are we choosing to be on Jesus' side? And what a great place to be, because if you're on Jesus' side, he's already won. The race was over before it began. Like I said, like I quoted Paul, we are more than conquerors. God's making all things new, and, and there are powers in state capitals and Washington, Washington, D.C., they have impact on our lives for sure. And they'll have impact on our lives in the next year, in the next four years, eight years. Yes, yes, yes. But they won't in a thousand years because you and I will be gone and we'll be living in a different kingdom. So, puts things into a different perspective. So, a, a little bit more perspective, a little history lesson. In 2004, in 2008... And in 2016, the results of those elections here in, in the states resulted in a one-party rule in 04, 08, and 16. And each one of those cycles, two years later, the party that had all the power was turned out of at least one of the houses of Congress. Why? Because people were disappointed with the first two years. They were disillusioned. So I say all that to set this so a little bit of perspective because there were different sides in charge. Like, oh, they're going to fix everything. Imagine, just for fun, just imagine that your perfect slate of candidates were all in office and they made all the winning laws according to you and all the right laws according to you. And imagine they did and said everything you agreed with, would that actually fix our world? I don't think it would. I don't think that would fix the world because that wouldn't change human hearts. You, that kind of, it almost seems like a fantasy football, but for politics, if you could select your perfect fantasy political team, at best, it would cause some human hearts to comply. At best, 
legislating all of your agendas or if I could legislate all of my personal agendas, at best it could get compliance from a human mind. But that's the thing with Jesus and his kingdom, his suffering servant kind of kingdom. He's changing the world by changing hearts and minds and he's still changing it. He did change it, he is changing it, and he will continue changing the human heart and the human mind. And it's written in the scriptures, the future belongs to Jesus. So if you are with Jesus, you're on the winning side, no matter what happens in any particular elections. So what if my side loses? Well, a the, here's the good news. If your, your side loses, a change in government does not change your calling, my friend. Doesn't mean that everything's easy. Doesn't mean that, that everything uh, is just this, you float through life. So what if your side loses? A change in government does not change your calling. It doesn't change how you're going to live your life one month from now or one year from now or one decade from now. God's calling on our lives is to be the same as long as we have breath in our lungs. Second Corinthians chapter five says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's our mission from God, and there's our calling from God. A change in government doesn't change that. The thing that Jesus did on earth, he was, he was showing people what God is like and, and, and inviting people to come and, and get in line with the direction that God is moving. It's still Jesus' mission, and now he wants to accomplish it through us, through human beings. And no matter who's been in charge in history, this is Christ calling on us to be, and I love that word, ambassadors. In the ancient world, an ambassador could speak for the king, especially before the internet. They would go to a faraway kingdom and they represented the king to another kingdom. We still have ambassadors here in, in, in our world. Washington, D.C. has a ton of embassies. And let's pick on the French for a second. The French embassy, there's a French embassy in a number of places in the US, but let's pick on the one in Washington, DC. That place where the French embassy is, technically when you're on, even though you're in the United States, when you're standing on that ground, you're, on, you're in France's territory, baby, watch out. You can smell the cheese now. And then the, the, the ambassador of France is supposed to represent to all the, to the nation he's the ambassador to or she's the ambassador to, but whoever comes in contact with that ambassador, they're supposed to see, oh, that's the best of what French people are like. Think about that when it comes to us being ambassadors of heaven. And we live and work, we do a lot of work you know, in the embassy. I love picturing what if your house, Jesus follower, was an embassy of heaven? and you live there and you do work there, but it's also an outpost. When people walk by your house, do they think, oh, that's, they live differently. That's the best of what heaven is like because they're ambassadors. When people uh, drive by your house, your neighbors that know you, do they think, oh, you know what? If my marriage is in trouble, I would probably ask them to pray for me. If your neighbor across the street is mowing their lawn or taking care of their garden? Do they ever think, if my loved one is ever sick, that's the house I wanna to go to and ask that they'll pray. Are we being ambassadors? So, ambassadors, they speak on behalf of the country. They represent their country well. In the ancient world, an ambassador represented their king well. They could even speak for the king. That's what our calling is, no matter who's in office. So 
if we're going to be good ambassadors, we need to know Jesus. You know, it, it's possible that a U.S. ambassador to another country, maybe they've never gotten to know our U.S. president. You know, but as Jesus followers, we need to know Jesus. We don't need, it, it, it's not enough to just know about Jesus. And we don't hold up inside the embassy. We're supposed to go out and live a good example so people will know what God is like and what Jesus is like no matter who's in Congress and no matter who the president is. I love that, that Paul in other places in his writings, he said, Christ's love compels us to live this way. Put it into my own words, you've been loved so much. You don't have to do anything to, to earn it. You don't have to make up for all the, the rotten things you've done or thought. God loves you. He elected you. He invited you to be redeemed. When God looks at you, he sees what Jesus did in this perfect love. He loves you, son, daughter of the living king, love. And that's what we're called to do as ambassadors, to show God's love, love of our neighbors, love of our enemies, and to put love into action. So as we go into the voting booth this year, don't just vote for life. Let's put this into action. We can vote, but let's care for children. Let's show love to our enemies. Let's not just, it's a privilege to vote. Vote, let your faith guide your vote. Don't let it stop there. Put love into action. Don't Merely vote and then expect the government to take care of the rest like we can outsource the job of caring for the poor. How do we, using the resources we have and the capacity that we have, we can all care for the poor. It's on God's agenda. And as we go through this cycle, my friend, don't just make a point and drop the mic. Don't just make a point and hit the send button. Make a difference. It's not a new phrase that talk is cheap. I'm thinking for this day and age, I think social media is even cheaper. Let's live love. That's, that's the only explanation even historians have. This love, this, this others-focused love, it's how Christianity grew in the first few centuries. These people who would put their lives on the line during plagues to care for their enemies, to care for the vulnerable, to care, especially in Ephesus, where the practice was you wanted to have a baby son, so they would take uh, their, their baby girls and, and put them on the rocks to just be picked apart by seagulls. And it was Christians who would rescue those kids in the first century. If you go through the book of Ephesians, it talks a lot about adoptions probably because a lot of the first believers were kids who, little boys and little girls who had been rescued, unwanted babies. They'd been rescued by Jesus' followers. Selfless, sacrificial love, much more than mere talk. So, if you're gonna vote, amazing. Don't merely vote. Prayerfully ask Jesus how you can show people in your world love. That's it. Jesus was sent into this world because God loved the world. John 3, 16. That love has no fear. We have nothing to be scared of. If the wrong candidate gets in, uh, we have nothing to fear losing rights. Will it be fun? Absolutely not. But if we're in God's love, we have nothing to lose. Pfft. Take away our rights? I'm gonna follow Jesus. Is there a, a conflict between the government and Jesus? Guess who wins? Jesus is Lord. And the scriptures say, perfect love drives out all fear. And we love because Jesus first loved us. There's a pastor named uh, Sky Janethi. I'm gonna let his words tie this up. He says, you can complain and lament your culture, or you can learn to choose it. 
You can accept this time and this place as what God has assigned to you for a reason. You know, like Esther, we were born for such a time as this. And I think true joy comes when we learn to choose where we're at. Doesn't mean we accept everything, but we say, okay, God, how am I going to live out your calling on my life in this time, in this location, in this point of history? Christian, your interests are fully met in God and in his kingdom. And with God, your eternal future is safe. You are fully secure and free because of what Jesus has done. You are set free to seek the interests of others instead of yourself. And you can embrace, you can embrace uh, all this uh, that's going on as like, okay, this is where God has me. Doesn't mean we affirm everything going on in our culture. My goodness, no. But we say, this is where God's called me to. And true joy comes when we learn to choose what we didn't. You may find yourself in Babylon and you say, God, use me here. How, show me where you're at. So here's what's most important. When you are in the, the voting booth, let your faith guide you. And what's most important isn't necessarily what you mark on the paper. What's most important is how you love your neighbors once you leave that booth, once you seal that envelope. However, my goodness, don't send me letters about that. What is most important is how you love your neighbors after you're done voting. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, like, you, uh, like you've instructed us first and foremost, actually, we pray for our leaders at every level. We pray that your, your kingdom will be revealed to them, open their eyes, and that you will be the loudest voice in their head. God, we thank you for the governments. We thank you that there's not chaos and anarchy. And God, we ask that you would speak so clearly to us and that our identity in you, Jesus, would guide our actions. And we do this humbly and we ask that you would search our hearts in this and that we would do so in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, now for a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.